Simon and Wayne's Spiffing Review, with your hosts, Simon Jones and Wayne Bolt. Hello! Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spiffing Review, with me, Simon Jones, and me, Wayne Bolt. Welcome to 2011. 2011. Yes. One year to go until 2012, which, as we know, is the end of the world. Yes, so make the most of it. We'll try and get in as many episodes as we can before everything ends. So... Uh, this episode, we are going to take a look back at 2010 and the good and bad films that we saw. Thankfully, none were as bad as Gamer, so uh, it was a better year from that point of view. At least not at the cinema. No, exactly. And then we'll be taking our usual trip to the trailer park before yes, finishing up with a review of Tron Legacy, a film that we hyped quite considerably last year, so you can find out what we finally thought of it. Yes, do we have smiles on our faces or egg on our faces? Yes. Or a bit of both. A bit of both. A bit of smiley egg. Yes, so. <laughs> Gotta love that smiley egg. Love the smiley egg. Okay. Right, we're going to look back at the last year first uh, to see what we thought were the highlights and the lowlights and uh, everything in between. Um, to do this, we're going to quickly rattle through the films that we looked at. So, the year got off to a really big start with Avatar, uh, which pretty much moved up to the top box office position and stayed there for the entire rest of the year. Do you think it was justified in its position there, Wayne? No, it was all right, but nothing great. Yeah, 3D? I'm not a big fan of 3D. I was gonna, I'll come on to more of this later. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, we were both largely impressed with the technical stuff, as everyone was, but didn't really take that much more away from the film. No. Looks good, but storytelling, terrible. Yes. Uh, next up, we reviewed The Hurt Locker which was the other big uh, Oscar film kind of vying with Avatar, so about as different as you can possibly get, really, yeah. uh, looking at the Iraq war and people that go in to try and defuse bombs. Uh, I, I liked it. Um, I think, as I recall, the, the, the first two-thirds were great, and then the last third kind of mistakenly thought it was an action film. Um, but otherwise, it was a really interesting, paranoid kind of look at that lifestyle. Yeah, not really the sort of film I usually watch, but I enjoyed it quite a lot. Yes, uh, we then did a little retrospective at... Tron, the original, from the 80s. Uh, this was the point where we first started to really give up for Tron Legacy, because uh, all the trailers and bits and pieces were looking very promising. All the people making it were making the right noises. So we had a look back at Tron, which uh, we concluded is still a classic film. Still a classic film. Yeah, no great surprise from us there. Um, then we had our first great film of the year, I guess, which is Kick-Ass. Yes, indeed. What did you make of it? I really liked it. Did it kick ass? It did indeed kick ass. I thought it was a fantastic bit of storytelling. Um, good action, really good fight sequences. The characters are really cool. Well, it helps being based on a really good graphic novel. Yeah, I think it had a very different feel to anything else. Yeah. Probably because it's more authentic to the comic and it's a kind of subversive comic in the first place. Um, and was a kind of antidote to every other superhero movie we've had. Even though I love them too, it was yep. nice to get this kind of slightly more anarchic thing. And also, biggest surprise of the year, which was that Nicolas Cage was brilliant. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, a lot of them were. I thought everyone in Kick-Ass did a really good job. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, we then had another comic book movie, which was Iron Man 2, a bit more traditional, back to the Marvel roots. Uh, I really liked it, but as I recall, you weren't such a fan. Not such a fan. I didn't dislike it, but now again, I'm not a big fan of the Marvel Mm. Uh, universe so yes there was a little bit of a sense of it was too concerned with building up to the Avengers and not concerned as it should have been with just being a film on its own merit um, whether that will pay off with a great Avengers movie we uh, will find out is it next year next year I think yeah. unfortunately it's not going to be the Avengers with Patrick McNee is it Amanda no. Blackman no no unfortunately and, and, not and appeal 
Uh, that'd be good. But then we're getting a bit old now. And we did have an Avengers movie not long back, and that wasn't very good. So No, no. So let's hope that the, the title isn't cursed or something, because that would mm. be unfortunate. Uh, we also reviewed uh, Predators. So uh, Yeah, that was good fun. Yes, I'd actually completely forgotten that I'd seen that this year. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't really tell you much what happened. Um, there were some Predators and lots of people, and there was a lot of... Argy bargy and fighting and stuff. Yes, and Lawrence Fishburne wasn't used as much as he should have been. No. That's the main thing I remember. I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, if it's I, on I, TV. You can watch I, I, it. I don't regret going to the cinema to see that film. No, but not the big return to form it could have been. No. Well, although it's a lot better than some of the other sequels that we've had in the Predator Aliens universe. Yeah. Um, right, then around this time of year, we had The Expendables and The A Team come out, uh, kind of going head to head with each other. Um, with kind of the old guys and then the reboot of the A-Team. Uh, I saw The Expendables, uh, liked it when it was doing its action thing, because as a homage to 80s action, it was superb. But unfortunately, half the film was Jason Statham and Stallone trying to be emotional. Yeah, and it doesn't work. No, it doesn't it's, work. it's not needed. However, I was, once again, uh, worth watching. Um, I'm glad I went to see it. It was a, a good homage bit, uh, to, as you said, to the, to the 80s. Um the, the big scene they went for, which really should have been a lot bigger, was when uh, Sly, Arnie and Bruce Willis were all in the same scene together. Um, and I think maybe they could have done some more of that if they'd had the budget and yeah. the time. But yeah. there again, Arnie was the governor at the time, as in Indeed. the governor of California. Yeah, not the governor. Not the governor. That's yeah. Jason Statham. Yeah, I felt a little bit superfluous yep. that scene. But uh, Oh, but Dolph Lundgren, I thought was brilliant. Yes. I didn't expect to say that. No. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, two surprise performances this year. Mm. Uh, what well, do you think of The A-Team? The A-Team? Yes. I've just watched it recently. I didn't watch it at the cinema. Um, I've watched it recently. It's ridiculous. But in a good way? In a good way. Excellent. Uh, there's been a few films I've seen this year, not all of them uh, at the cinema, which are ridiculous in a bad way. But The A-Team is it, fun. It's well worth watching. Uh, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's The A-Team, isn't it? You're not going to be particularly serious with The A-Team. And they don't take themselves particularly serious and do a good job of it. Yeah. Worth so, watching. If you were at home one evening and you had a choice of the Expendables or the A-Team to rent, what would you go for? Hmm. I'd probably watch the A-Team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's the verdict. Right. Uh, we then had Inception, which was a giant blockbuster film that I think kind of surprised everyone. Yeah. Uh, you might better help us out there, listeners, because me and Simon are sure we reviewed that film, but we can't find it anywhere. No. So if you did listen to our podcast <laughs> review of Inception, yeah. let us know no, what we what, said about it. Yeah, let us know what we thought about it. <laughs> uh, but to address the record, um, I'm, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, had issues in that the characters weren't really there. They were kind of just there to shuffle the plot around. But it looked amazing, had some great ideas, and it managed to be a big blockbuster with everything that you associate with that, while still having some brains, essentially. And yep. after Transformers 2 of the previous year, which was the, the exact opposite, where it had spectacle but nothing behind it, it was a really nice kind of evidence that you can actually do that. Yep. Um, I really liked it. I'm not so sure as if it's the number one film of the year, which everyone else seems to be raving about. It's a really good film. Uh, and I really enjoyed it, and I'd recommend people going to see it. But is it the best? Well, uh, from my point of view, uh, it's obviously not, because I just told you. But um, <laughs> yeah. still think, really good, nonetheless, though. Yeah, I think the character problems kind of hold it back for me in the number one film for me. Um, I think a lot of people have put it as number one because they're just so excited to have a big blockbuster movie that is actually genuinely a good movie Cerebral, as well. Cerebral, Yes, think. exactly. But without being so cerebral, it gets in the way of the action. So, yeah. Uh, then we had Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Now, if I remember rightly, when we uh, reviewed this one, we really liked it, 
But I think now there's that air of disappointment that wasn't quite the outstanding feature film we thought and was expecting it was going to be. Um, nonetheless, still a really good film, but I think it suffers from coming out in the same year as Kick-Ass, for example. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think it's probably a film that's going to grow in my affections each time I watch it. I think yeah. I'm going to get more out of it every time I watch it and become more familiar with it and the characters and the cast. And having read some of the comics, some of the cast didn't quite work for mm-hmm. me, but that will become less of a problem yeah. the more I see it. So. Yeah. Well, so it's still a really good film. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it was like a really good episode, of, a really long episode of Spaced, uh, yeah. which is a, a UK uh, TV sitcom, and also an American sitcom. They did it in pilot. Yeah, but let's not talk about that. Have you seen any? I, I've seen a snippet yeah. from it. Yeah, it was, it was unfortunate. Anyway, uh, um, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, really, really good, but I just think it's unfortunate for Scott Pilgrim, the film, that it came out in the same year as Kick-Ass, as I just said. Mm. So. But uh, great to see Edgar Wright kind of widening his box of tools and doing some really exciting yep. stuff. Can't wait to see what he does next. Mm. Uh, With his widening box. Indeed, of tools. Tools. Uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Now you're a Potter fan, so did it satisfy you? I thought the film captured the rather dull camping section uh, it, from the book 100%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a non-reader of Harry Potter, but um, someone who's enjoyed the films generally and generally more as it's gone along as well, I've preferred them. Uh, I, I liked it, um, but then it just stops halfway through. Yeah. Not in a second part of a trilogy kind of way, but as in literally it's like the projector stopped going back. So. Yeah. Well, once the whole series is out on DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, or at your eight-year marathons of Harry Potter, then I think it will very much... Um, suit its own role in the in the Harry Potter dynasty of films. Yeah. Um, but as a film on its own, without the follow up to it, I just don't think it um, it really sort of works for me. No, I, I still maintain that they should have released both of them at the same time and let you do what you wanted with them. Basically, yeah. I think that would have been like an epic finale event for Harry Potter yeah. and been quite exciting. My my hope for the final Harry Potter film that comes out is they keep it in two D like the rest of the films have been. Yes. I yeah, really definitely. do hope because yeah. otherwise it's going to be really weird. Mm-hmm. to have that last one in 3D. Well, it's, it's going to change the look and feel of the Harry Potter world. But there we go. We'll come on to that next year. Well, this year, isn't it? It's coming out later this year. Indeed, indeed. A um, few films that I saw that we didn't review. Um, Princess and the Frog, which was Disney's return to 2D animation. Obviously, once Pixar came along and uh, with Toy Story and showed how amazing CG animation could be, um, Disney at the time decided that nobody wanted to see 2D animation anymore because they're idiots. And shut well, down the people are or Disney. Disney, right? Um, they presumably thought the audience were idiots as well. But they shut down the department. Then all sorts of weird stuff happened. Ended up with Pixar people being in charge of Disney, and they went, "Well, hang on, we love two D animation as well. Let's start it up again." And this was their first thing. And um, it's not a classic, but it is really good. And I'm looking forward to Disney doing some more cool oh, stuff. Good. Um, Prince of Persia as well, uh, computer game adaptation. It's a lot better than previous computer uh, game adaptations, and that is at least competently made. Oh, it's a better computer game adaptation than Doom, for example. Uh, yes, ish, but it's still not great. Ah. Um, it, it's the the problem that you always have with these things is that Doom, the game's main point is that you get to run around and shoot things with a gun. So when you get to see other people running around and you can't do it, it's not as good. Prince of Persia, the fun is in jumping around the environment and exploring and jumping from ledge to ledge. Watching Jake Gyllenhaal do that, it's not as fun as doing it yourself. No. And, uh, yeah, that's the problem that computer game films are always yep. going to have. And it's going to be the same problem when Manic Mind in a movie comes out. Right, what's next? Exactly. Right, uh, films that we... Probably should have saw. Yes. Did we mention Social Network or did I skip over that No, completely? you skipped over that one. Okay, Social Network. That was good, wasn't it? 
Yes, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, another film that you wouldn't expect to be good at all, um, and when it was first announced, the Facebook movie, I think everyone kind of sneered and dismissed it, and then all of a sudden it comes along yeah. as this kind of, almost like a thriller, but with a bunch of nerds. Yeah. Well, it it, it worked really well as a film. It told a really uh, interesting story, especially when they were doing some coding. I thought that was really exciting. <laughs> Uh, and it actually worked a lot better than I was expecting. Yeah. I really wasn't expecting to have enjoyed the film quite so much. So a uh, big thumbs up. Yeah, so before we quickly uh, announce our, our top films, um, a quick honorary mention to the films that didn't quite make it across Simon and Wayne's bow. Mm. So we have How to Train Your Dragon. To... No, I'll start again. How, How to, to Train, train Your Dragon. That's the one. Uh, when we uh, did that in the trailer park, I think we both raved about it quite a lot, but yeah. never got around to seeing it, unfortunately. No, but I have heard good things, so uh, I hope to see that soon. Yeah. Uh, Shutter Island, where the trailer scared me so much I didn't actually want to see the whole film. Well, that trailer seems to be out for years and years and years. Mm. And uh, I mean, the trailer been out so long, but when the film came out, I don't think anyone really noticed. Yeah, it was out for about half an hour, it seemed like. <laughs> uh, Toy Story 3, which I feel quite ashamed to have not seen. Um, so I apologise to that. If, if you were waiting for our verdict before going to see it, then uh, you probably should have just forgotten about that and gone to see yeah. it anyway. But uh, as a non-Toy Story um, fan, and I don't really care, I do. <laughs> so yeah, if you like Toy Story, it's probably good. If if you're, if you're me. Um, grumpy like yeah, Wayne, like me. then yeah. If, if, you, if you've lost your <laughs> childhood ability to just let go. <laughs> anyway, uh, The King's Speech, which I hear is really good. It's got Colin Firth, but I've not seen it yet. Neither have I, but it does look good. Yeah, and he's probably going to win loads of awards and we'll be sort of going, yeah, you should have seen that probably. Yeah. Uh, Sex and the City 2, really wish I'd seen that. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a classic. Yeah, didn't I, it? I feel like we missed out there. Yeah, um, I think they were encapsulating everything about drama and filmmaking and yeah. cinematography. Everything we like about films. Yeah. Yeah, so I think when the inevitable third in the trilogy comes out, we absolutely Ooh. have to make sure that the computer hasn't just gone to sleep. No. It hasn't. Hey! hey. Yes. Yeah, so, so when the inevitable third film in the trilogy comes out, I mean, you need to make sure we don't miss it. Yep. Uh, Twilight, again, uh, big fans of the series, but... Oh, I'm a big fan of that whole paranormal yeah, romance, yeah, sp- whatever they're spark- calling it. Sparkly vampires. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, brilliant yeah. stuff, yeah. Uh, Monsters. Now, that genuinely is a film that I wish I had seen. A low-budget indie film made by a guy and a couple of actors who flew out to South America. And just yeah, on a budget of half a million, wasn't it? Something was like that. that much? Yes. Uh, so just from the point of view of uh, indie filmmakers, I'd love to see it. But, again... Being a small film, it wasn't really out here very long, so I will correct that mistake as soon as I can. And Four Lions, a British film about like some... Chris Morris. Yes, of Brass Eye fame. Uh, about some inept terrorists, I believe, mm. uh, which sounds great and very timely. Oh, terrorism is very popular at the minute. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> top films of the year, Wayne. Um, top films for the year, I'm going to have to say number three, Social Network. Right. Um... Number two, I will have to say... It's interesting, because I'm not really prepared this bit. I'm going to go for Scott Pilgrim as number two, and then Kick-Ass as number one. Okay. I very much of that. Much preferred the whole comic booky uh, adaptation-y kind of thing, as long as they're not Marvel. <laughs> yeah, it excludes quite a lot of comic books. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah I think um, I'd go for Inception at number three. Uh, Scott Pilgrim at two and probably Social Network as my number one uh, which I wasn't expecting but the, I, th- I thought 2010 was an amazing year and every time I thought I had my film of the year uh, something else came along and was just as good or better and yeah I mean the the top four because Kick-Ass is you know right up there um, 
I, you know, all four of them are yeah. in my favourite movies of all time. Yep, and no, to, it was really good. To get that many in one year is pretty, uh, so it pretty was very, very tricky coming up with uh, what our top movies were. Yes. Right, moving along swiftly. Do, 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 do. The Trailer Park. That's our, our new theme tune. I might keep that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and the Trailer Park, anyway. It's not my new theme tune, but... Right, so where do we get to? Uh, yeah, first in the Trailer Park is... Vanishing? Is it Vanishing? I think it's Vanishing oh, on 7th Street. Um, it's either a furniture-based uh, thriller or an Anakin Skywalker-based thriller. Yeah, so... Well, not really Anakin, but Hayden Christiansen. Yeah, well, this is set presumably between episodes 2 and 3, um, when he was sent to Earth for additional training. Yeah. Um, a city in Detroit somewhere. Yes. Uh, so, yes, Hayden wakes up to discover the entire city is deserted, cars all over the place, planes dropping out of the sky. Yeah. Strangely, a plane been flying around just long enough to fall out of the sky when he walked out. Yeah, that was quite good, though. Yeah, uh, so, you know, your standard uh, 28 Days Later, Walking Dead type setup, uh, but then it turns out that it's Evil Shadows. Yeah. What, the Evil Shadows? Is it a Babylon 5 epic comeback? Uh, possibly. Uh, it could also be that Doctor Who episode with the Evil Shadows. Well, it could be, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, everyone disappears, but they blatantly haven't because there's other people who start turning up. Um, it's a go into the shadow. No, it's a stay away from the light. Uh, stay away around. from the light. Uh, stay away from the light. It's a yes. it's, it's a new song from uh, Ralph Harris. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, we're rambling. Um, yes, look quite good. Yes, that's what I've done as well. It looks quite good. Yes, uh, fairly generic setup that's been seen in quite a few sci-fi TV episodes, but it looks like it's going to do it. With slightly better budget than yeah, most of them. and a slightly good style. So yeah, smiley face, smiley face on me as well. Yeah. Next up, Green Hornet. Green Hornet. I've seen this trailer. Well, actually, this is the first time I've seen this trailer. This is trailer number two. Um, I, I'm actually quite a fan of the Green Hornet right. uh, movie. I'm um, not familiar with because it's a remake, isn't it? Yes, of, of an old one. Yeah. It, um, it was originally Bruce Lee, wasn't it? He played Kato originally. Okay. But this is uh, the first of the films we're featuring uh, in the trailer park. This was Seth Rogen. Um, now, I'm going to go against the grain of a lot of the film reviewers here and actually say I quite like Seth Rogen. In what way? Oh, in, in a, he's a quite a good actor, right, which yes. makes me laugh in the film. Yeah, no, I've, I've in enjoyed his stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's like quite a good quite a good film. It's not going to be taking itself too seriously. Um, it looks like quite good action sequences, isn't it? Uh, Kato, uh, who's played by Jay Chow, um, and uh, the Green Hornet, uh, who's read played by Seth Rogen, look like got quite a good on-stream chemistry. And it's got Cameron Diaz in it, who's not looking as hot as she used to, gotta say. But that's age for you. It's not her fault. Well, but there's amazing things to do with film technology now. That's true. Maybe they should have uh, Jeff Bridges certified her <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah. We'll contact that. Anyway, um, it looks quite good. I'm gonna give it a smiley face. Uh, I've got an ambivalent face because I think the film might be alright, but the trailer for me was trying a bit too hard to be cool with the music and all the slow-mo and that kind of stuff. And I'm not sure the film's actually going to be like that. It no. looks like it's more no, of a see, comedy. I thought this trailer was better than the previous trailer I've seen, where the previous trailer uh, seems to be much more of showing you what's happening in, in it, more of a comic book. This is what's going mm. on, this is a story kind of thing. I think I think maybe because I've seen that other trailer so many times, it was quite fresh to see a different trailer on it. Yeah, I think that highlights a good point, though, in that from the trailers, I'm not entirely sure what tone the film's going for. Uh and that's going to kind of depend on how successful it is for me. Yep. Uh, so, kind of, yeah, I'm undecided so far. Okay, an undecided face. Uh, so, next up, we got a bit confused. Um, we think it's a short film called Scrat's Continental Crack-Up, Crack which was created to promote 
Ice Age Continental Drift, which yes. is Ice Age... Three? Three or four? I'm not sure. Um, I've not seen any of the Ice Age films. I wish I had, because they look quite funny. But uh, yeah, Any Ice Age bits I've seen are uh, with the Scratch character in, and that yes. always seems to be quite funny. But um, the, the, the worry I've got with it is that that's going to be the funny bit. Yeah. And that's going to be the, the only bit worth watching. Now, I will say about this trailer that it's worth watching. It's it is, not a trailer. It's a, no, it, it's a, it's a two, two three-minute short. It's really quite funny. Yes. Um, and I really like the idea of producing uh, exclusive content for the trailer so that you're not really spoiling the film. Yeah. It's not like you've seen some of the good scenes from the film. It's, it's just kind of setting yeah. up. It seems to be working almost as a prequel. Yeah, I, I imagine that the, the, this trailer will appear in the cinema before the main film starts. It seems to be the way you do yeah. that with a lot of these yeah. sort of things now. Um, it's going to be really weird, this, because, you know, in the past, how we've talked about a, a trailer that may be for a really good, supposedly really good film, but the trailer's rubbish. Mm. Well, I have a feeling this time around, the trailer's really, really good, but it's not selling me on the film, which is crazy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I'm not particularly inclined to go see the film, but I love the short film. Yeah. So I'm not sure what that means <laughs> oh, about how so, successful it is. Um, That'd be a great animation, really funny, really clever idea. I yeah. quite liked it. Um, and I think it'd be really good as a short. And maybe if the Ice Age Continental Drift was going to be another short, I'd probably watch it, but... Do I really want to watch a full version? I don't know. I'm confused. Yeah, I think what I'd like to see, um, having only seen this and not seen the actual Ice Age films, I'd love to see a web series with these characters just doing little yeah. two-minute sketches. That'd be great. Okay. Right, so Gersey for this one. A uh, big smiley face, really, but for the for the, the little short <laughs> yeah. film. I don't know about the actual film. No. Um, we'll see. I, I, they'll probably release a standard trailer at some point as well. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll come back to going on. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Paul... Which is the new Simon Pegg and Nick Frost film they without Edgar Wright, yes. did they? Hmm. Yeah, they, they're the writers of it. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's basically they go on a road trip across the States to check out various alien abduction sites and encounter an actual alien. Yep. I think they're pretty much playing just slightly geekier and more nerdy versions of themselves. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, um, it's another Seth Rogen feature. Seth Rogen is in it as the alien, who I believe is called Paul. 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 I, I mean, that's quite good. That's quite funny. Uh I'm a big fan of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost anyway, so if I've written it, it's obviously going to have a lot of stuff which appeals to uh, to my comedic tastes. Um, trailer looks good, and it just looks good. Yeah, it looks good, does it? Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, I think the main thing for me is just to see whether it can hold its attention for the whole film, because it's a funny concept, but whether they can string it out for the whole plot, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully. We'll see. Uh, it does look entertaining. And the alien actually... Uh, works as well yeah because having a fully CG character in a comedy I didn't know if they'd actually pull that off in a way that would work but it, it, it looks yeah, like it has seems right. so. uh, the alien is very reminiscent of the alien from American Dad the yeah. Seth MacFarlane yes. cartoon in, in, yeah. which isn't as good as Family Guy no so last up we have The Strange Case of Angelica which is a uh, foreign film is it a French film? I, I think so, yeah. I think it may have been. Well, it's certainly a foreign language uh, festival-based film, yes. which is uh, in French, so I'm assuming it's a French film, uh, by a 101-year-old, um, yes, apparently, allegedly. Apparently the director is over yeah. 100 years old, which is just amazing in itself. Manuel de Olivier. Yeah, because making films is quite tiring, and, yeah, and we you need a lot of energy. Like When we make a short film, we, we feel quite ill by the end of it. Uh, so to make a feature film when you're over 100 well, is Ill. impressive. Probably ill. Well, you went up for two days straight. That's true. <laughs> uh, I was a bit confused by the trailer in that I almost got the sense that it was trying to portray it as this really serious, arty foreign film. Yeah. When the film itself almost looked like a kind of whimsical comedy. Yeah, it's got that 
Amelie um, yeah. vibe about it, which is a good thing because Amelie, I think it's a really good film. Yeah. Yeah, and um, if it's of that vein, then um, I, for the trailer, I've got to say I went from being a bit oh here we go again, uh, one of these arty foreign films, into actually really quite looking forward to seeing the film at the end of it. So well done, trailer. Yeah, I think something um, Ang Lee said when he did Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, is that he'd made a really fun pulpy action adventure, and then in the West it was marketed as this incredibly artful foreign film. Um, and because it's got subtitles, everyone kind of just assumes that it's this kind of arty thing. Mm-hmm. And I almost get the sense that the same is happening with the way they're marketing this, yeah. and that they're kind of trying to appeal to the arty foreign market, when actually it just looks like a fun, kind of whimsical, comedy, supernatural thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's... Talking about a smiley face. Yeah, a smiley face for that one. Yeah, right. Um, excuse me one sec. Whilst we're just still talking about films of the year, I've got a film of the year we've been recommended by some friends of ours. Oh, excuse the scraping. So, as recommended by a couple of friends of ours, uh, Liz and Peter, who have uh, helped with some various projects we do and we've known for a long time, is a film by Jean-Pierre Junette. Now, I mention it now because it's another French film. Yeah. But Mick Max. And this was their film of the year. Okay. Because Junet was the guy that did Amelie, isn't it? Yes. I'm just handing Simon the DVD case so we can have a quick look at it. Simon's looking at the DVD case and reading it. And is pondering it. He's nodding his head, so that must mean it's quite good. The thing about Jeune is that he seems to make comic book films that aren't actually based on comic books. His mm. sensibility is very much down that kind of road. Yeah. Um, anyway, Mick Max, we'll uh, have a look at that sometime and let you know what we think of it. Yeah. So, yeah, that comes highly recommended. And, yeah, Jeune doesn't normally let you down as long as he's not doing Alien Resurrection. So, that's all good. <laughs> right. So, we've when, come to it at last. Yes. Um... During the review to this film, we will be doing some spoilers. Yes. But do not leave us yet, listener. We should endeavour to do the first part of the review um, without giving too much away. Yes. But in honesty, there's not really much you can give away anyway. It's quite a basic concept. And we will uh, give you fair warning uh, when we're about to give you our, our thoughts on it. It's not really set up well for the film, is it? <laughs> I yeah. Must, must say. Um, so we will let you know before we start ranting about um, certain things about it. So, let's get into reviewing Tron Legacy. Yeah, as you know, we're big fans of the original. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Tron 2.0 computer game, which came out about seven years ago. Um, and this is the sort of first time that Hollywood's gone back to it, really, because they kind of always thought of it as a bit of an ugly child, I think, because Tron didn't do very well when it came out. And over the years, they detected this kind of geek following that it's got, and uh, now they've poured an amazing amount of money into making this sequel. Yes. Um, so in it, uh, the Jeff Bridges character from the original has disappeared, and his son essentially now enters the same computer-based yes. grid. His son uh, being Sam Flynn. Yes, um, to try and find and rescue him and pull him back out of the computer world. Essentially, that's the story. Yeah. Um, so Sam enters the computer world, the grid, uh, as it's called, and this is where the, the the film really does its plus points really come into it. There, the visuals of it and the uh, and the sound and the look and feel of the grid are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think for me, obviously, everyone talked about Avatar. And people that didn't like the story in Avatar still went, oh, but it looked fantastic and this kind of thing. I, for me, I prefer the look of Tron. Hmm. Very um, dark. Yeah, not, not necessarily on a technical level, but what I love about 
both the original Tron and the new Tron is that it uses visual effects to create a completely fantastical world. Yes. Whereas so often visual effects are being used to try and create something photorealistic, which yeah. to my mind is, isn't always that interesting. It might be impressive, but it's not that interesting. And, and yeah, Tron Legacy's got the most imaginative, amazing visuals I've seen at the cinema for a long time. Yep. Um, so whilst in the grid, uh, Sam Flynn uh, meets up with uh, two versions of Jeff Bridges. Yes. Now, this is very interesting. He meets up with the Kevin Flynn, uh, who is the aged uh, Jeff Bridges. Played uh, by aged normal Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Clue, who is the evildoer of the film, uh, who is also played by Jeff Bridges, but in a very interesting way. Yes, so Clue is a computer program version of Flynn, and because he's a program, he doesn't age. So to do this, they've digitally de-aged bridges and done a kind of like CG head on top of an actor yeah. and it's really fascinating technique they've used um, it's not entirely successful but for me once I got used to it it mostly works in the context of the film yeah I'd, I'd, I'd quite like it I'd heard from other sort of uh, film reviewers who, who've been doing sort of stuff saying that well, that's Mark Commode again it's any film right. reviewer I, I listen to he really wasn't that keen on the way uh, clue spoke. He said the mouth didn't quite work. But I don't really picked it up. I thought the the, the reanimating of the young Jeff Bridges worked quite well. Yeah, I think um, the fact that we can look at an effect like the young Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy and be picky about it kind of shows how amazing film yeah. tech is these days. Um, it's I don't think it is 100% successful, but I think in some ways it's the perfect film for them to have tried to do this yeah. because the fact that it's not 100% real actually kind of plays to yeah. the story. I, I think George Lucas must be wetting his pants looking at what they've done here yes. because it's one yeah. step closer to the ultimate Lucas aim of not having actors in the film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think um combination of the Na'vi in Avatar where they look very, very realistic but there are aliens so they kind of had a bit yeah. of leeway. Combined with this, I think some point this year, next year, we're going to see some completely convincing yep. digital faces. Okay, so before we uh, get on into the real uh, guts of what we want to talk about, a few other mentions. Um, it was nice to see Bruce Boxlight in the back yes. playing Alan Bradley. Um, and, yeah, he's uh, he's looking a bit old now, though. Yeah, but he's still got it. He's still got it, still got it indeed. Um, Olivia Wilde uh, played Quora, who's the rather... Uh, uh, yeah, cool. The, the the rather attractive looking um, uh, lady friend uh, who uh, exists in the grid. Yes, uh, and one of the better performances in the film, I thought. It was a really interesting kind of innocent, naive character that doesn't quite fit into the world, no. which was very deliberate. And, yeah. Yeah, worked, yeah, I really liked her. Um, what else can we say about it before we start um, uh, getting into the, the action? Realm? I liked it. Right. I liked Dillinger. Um, the, the, yes. the son, uh, and it wasn't in it much, so it's not really much of a, a spoiler to say he's there. He's it, as a Dillinger appears uh, right near the beginning, which is a nice nod to the David Warner character of Dillinger in the yeah. original film. Uh, I'm quite sad that Cindy Morgan, who played Laura Stroke Yori, um, wasn't in it. She yeah, or just name dropped. Oh yeah, some way. in some way that, that would have been nice. Um, the costumes I thought were really good, really updated, really well. And, uh, it made it a much more modern look. The light cycle races were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, a, there's an aerial section at the yeah. end which I really liked. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the main main trouble for me, and this is what we'll start getting onto in a minute, was um, it was it was rather slow. 
So if you are going to go see the film and you don't want to know what we're about to say next, then just just be prepared to um, maybe have a bit of a doze uh, during the middle of the film. Yeah, I mean, because it, it did slow down a little bit too much, and I thought that took away from a lot of the action sequences. Right. For me, it didn't bother me so much because I think I was so um, in love with the visuals, not just on a visual sense, but in terms of the world that they'd conjured up. I was so enjoying being in that world because it was unlike anything I'd mm. seen before that I didn't really notice the pacing issues. I I think. Uh, talking about the visuals and, and the visual board, I think I'd like to see this film on a cinema screen in 2D. Right. Uh, I find 3D really quite distracting because mm-hmm. I easily get distracted by looking at the reflection uh, of the stair lights and the glasses because you've got to wear the stupid glasses. It's sort of always taken away and you're looking up over the room and I find it really quite hard work watching it. Yeah. Um, you see, as someone that wears glasses just in my normal life, I'm probably used to all the kind of reflections and artifacts yeah. that you get from wearing them. So putting yeah. just another pair on top... It probably sits more naturally on me. Yeah, it could well be. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I, I find it's, it's hard work watching it in three D. Um, and when it starts getting slow and there's easy distractions around, it takes away from the film. And that says something about the film. If your interest isn't tweaked that much, I'll refer you back to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which was a three D film. Um, I don't recall once being um, bored or being distracted in that. Yep. Um, yeah, indeed. Um, to, to sum up my pre-spoiler opinion, yeah, I'd say that ninety percent of the film I really liked. And there were bits in there that I really absolutely loved. But then there's the other 10%. Yep. So we'll come on to that in a minute. So uh, just finally, before we go into spoiler land, um, yeah, it was potential was, was was there, but the execution didn't quite um, bring Tron off in the way it should it should have been done. Quite. And uh, as to why, we'll, we'll go into some more detail now. But if you haven't seen the film yet and, and you'd like to, and if you love visuals or are interested in Tron in general, it's worth seeing at the cinema because it is astounding to look at. Yeah. Um, but if you want to know why we had problems with the film, then um, stop listening now, I guess, yep. and we'll see you later. <laughs> yep. And uh, contact details, if you want to contact the show, um, uh, are available on the website. Yeah, spiffingreview.com. <laughs> so, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Right, okay then. I have three main problems with Tron Legacy. Um, and they kind of get in the way of all the other stuff that I really love about the film um, first up, and this seems like the, the, the biggest thing that completely perplexes me is it doesn't seem to really understand what makes the Tron idea and franchise unique mm-hmm. um, which is that they're in a computer world and everything in the kind of fictional fantasy world is an analogy of some kind of computer tech yep. um, it doesn't necessarily have to be particularly convincing or make much sense but it, that's where the fun of it comes from yeah. so in the original you've got like the IO ports and you've got uh, sort of the concepts of firewalls and networks and security programs and it all you know as someone that uses a computer you kind of go oh yeah that's kind of yeah. that thing that I use um, and, that's... and that all disappeared um, in place of some sort of um, more philosophical god kind of creationist yeah. um, uh, level to it all and it's just it wasn't really what I wanted to see no although like I was saying um the world did sort of entrance me and I really loved what they'd created. It it didn't have anything to do with the point of no. Tron. No, um, there, there, there was no... Uh, I think we mentioned this after we saw it, you know, on that sort of thing. There could have been no internet references. Yeah, because they, they call... Gagging for it. Yeah, they call the programs programs. But other than just that name, there's nothing that really connects it to the fact that it's in a computer server and mm. that's the whole point. Um well, it's and just another one, like such a massive missed opportunity. Yeah, and another one of the endearing things about the original Tron was we met the programs in yep. the real world before we went into into the grid, and none of that was was there this time around, and that really was 
sorely lacking was there's no even Dillinger didn't make an appearance in the grid. No, because um, that you know in the original you got Jeff Bridges um, playing Clue as well, mm. like in like in the new one. Um, so they carried that through because the whole concept is that the the user, the programmer, creates a program and that program then takes on their yeah. physical self, I guess. Um, hence, Tron looks like Bruce Boxleiner, yeah. Alan Bradley in the real world. Um, and in the first one, they carry that through with several characters. And they set up stuff for the sequel, like showing Dillinger's son, where you assume they're going to do the same kind of thing. Um, and then and then inexplicably, Just don't, don't do it. Um, and they set up the, the operating system at the start, where you assume that's where it's going to take place. And you're going to find out about all the advancements in technology we've had over 20 years. Um, but they didn't do anything with it. No. You know, we're living in a world where the internet is changing every single aspect yeah. of our social society, economics, everything. Yeah. Uh, and none, none, none of the Tron stuff, none of the grid stuff, any interface at all. In fact, it was it could have been just been a closed system, mm. which it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made any difference what was going on there. Yeah. So, so much potential so that way to do Because what you could have had is this really nice uh, kind of uh, two films this year, which was Social Network, which takes a look at the real world being influenced by social networks yeah. and, and how that's kind of come to be, the people that are behind it in a way. And then you could have had Tron coming at it from this fantasy point of view and yeah. showing how it's affecting the digital realm, I guess. Yeah. Um, so to have not done anything with that, it's just <laughs> gobsmacking. <Big> missed opportunity <laughs> number one. Yes. Um, um, I already mentioned it in the uh, not spoilery bit, but I just thought the film went really slow in the middle. Mm-hmm. And it could have done... Better editing. Yeah. It suffered a little bit from the uh, J.K. Rowling syndrome of seemingly not being edited. Um, so the, the light cycle uh, race action sequence was good, but just for some reason, any excitement that built up just got totally lost in the. Uh, you, you meet, uh, you go out and meet um, uh, Kevin Flynn out in his Zen palace, away from all the action. Uh, not much really happens. Um, they steal a super fast bike, which is the fastest thing in the grid. And then give it away. Yeah. What's the point in that? Um, then we got to meet Michael Sheen's David Bowie kind of a crazy gatekeeper character. And that, that that didn't seem to fit in the film either. It's just, I don't understand why it was there. It was trying to be a bit Matrixy, And it, it, it was not the place in the Matrix. The grid is not the place in the Matrix. The Matrix is the place in the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I, some people have said Michael Sheen's performance was quite good. I, I didn't think it was that good. It, it didn't do enough to really keep me interested in the film, and you could tell fairly early on in that when he does. Uh, we are spoiling, aren't we? Uh, yes. when, when he does betray and take things, and you just see it all coming a mile off. A lot yeah. of the plot you can just see it coming a mile off. Um, but and, again, the way that you had these unusual characters didn't really seem to fit into the no. point of Tron. No, if we'd have met a Michael Sheen character up in the real world somehow yes. maybe that would have made sense you know just a little introduction here or there to some of these characters yeah. before we got into the grid that's kind of where the concept works you know if, if there'd been a kind of I don't know maybe a hacker character of some sort that's always trying to yeah. manipulate the well, code that would have worked, yeah. you know then Michael Sheen's character would have fit uh, but uh, yeah there's none of that which was very odd mm-hmm. and something the film which you kind of touched upon is really good at uh, building stuff up and then not making use of it. Yeah. So, you know, they, they establish the light cycles and do such amazing yep. work with it, and then you don't see it again. And then they establish Dillinger's son at the start, and you never see him again. Yep. They establish this new operating system that Encom's made, you never see it again. Yep. Uh, and then worst of all, and this is probably my biggest problem with the <laughs> film, is they established the character of Tron, yep. who obviously the film's named after him, so it's kind it's, of important. Because it's his legacy. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, 
And initially, you kind of think he's not going to be in the film. You're just going to see Alan Bradley played by Bruce Boxleiner in the real world. And yeah. I, was like, I was okay with that. Then about halfway through the film, you suddenly see him as his programme form. And it's incredibly exciting and really cool. It's a really nice scene. Um, and you suddenly think, hang on, Tron is still a character in this. This yeah. could be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and is it interesting, Simon, what they do with him? Uh, they don't do anything, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it builds and builds and builds. Once you, once you get to the climax um, and the aerial combat, yeah. it builds it up really well actually yeah. uh, and you're not sure uh, whose no, side Tron's going to be uh, on and you're waiting you're waiting for yes. Tron to become the good guy to yeah. save the day and then just as he does and then he disappears out of the film yeah um, and the obvious moment when he should have come back at the end when they're on the platform he should have come back then and saved the day because that's what the entire film was building up to yeah. and it just it doesn't no now I was wondering whether this is a budgetary thing because all the way through the film Tron has his helmet on pretty much yes um probably because they can only afford to do one de-aging yeah. character in you know that amount of screen time and I wondered because it was it was everything about the film was setting up Tron to have this big return at the end and yeah. it didn't happen it didn't make any sense maybe that's what we wanted maybe um, from our story writing stuff we do and various other things um, that's the sort of ending we would have wanted we wanted to see the hero come back and the film really needed it as well because it yeah. was quite dark all the way through and there was nothing uplifting about it no, no. Even the ending was very downbeat. Oh, the, the, the ending um, was well. Now this is one of my bullet points I've written down about it. Rather lame ending. Um, it made no real sense, uh, and it wasn't particularly uplifting. Now, the ending, as you well know, uh, is they had to get to the uh, portal uh, to get out, um, and that's all it was. Was you got to get over there and you can get out, they'll be fine. That, that was it. There was mm-hmm. nothing really exciting about it at all. Um, particularly given the fact that the way the whole um, when Flynn died or whatever, that could have been avoided, as we said, by Sam Flynn leaving the grid, turning it off and on again, doing whatever, and coming back in and saving it. It just yeah. it made no sense. It was that plot hole was just sort of like, what are they doing? Yeah, so there's an epic plot hole that totally undermines the, the kind of emotional wallet that should yep. have been Flynn sacrificing yep. himself. Um, and those three things, the fact they don't use the Tron universe to its potential mm. they don't use the Tron character properly yep. and the gaping plot hole um, kind of undermined it so although I think the rest of the film I enjoyed more than you just in the last 10-15 <laughs> minutes I couldn't quite figure out what was but, going on but I think mean, it's the whole thing why I, I came away with a, a rather bad impression of the film is because I was so let down by the end of the film I mean if as we just said at the end Tron had come back he'd have saved the day both the Finns had got out and it would have been an uplifting, happy ending to the film. I think I wouldn't have cared so much about how yeah. dull and plodding it was the rest of the way through. Because yeah. sometimes a slow portion in a film can seem fine in the context of the whole thing. Because if it pays off, then that's great. you know. Yeah. But if it doesn't, then all no. it is is slow. Yeah, and if you're investing your time in it and you're trying to invest your time in these characters who are pretty much all pretty dull. It's none of the characters I was particularly sympathetic for, mm. uh, apart from Quora, but that's because uh, she was quite nice to look at on the screen. But Sam Flynn, oh, he just didn't give a toss about him. Mm. Well, I think what was confusing about Sam is that he kind of yo-yoed between being slightly inept, where it was actually quite interesting, and like this kind of like dropout character, and then all of a sudden being this amazing fighting badass on the grid <laughs> who like, had been training his whole life. Which yep. was a bit confusing because yep. I didn't know if he was meant to be like the everyman and associate with him, or whether he was this like amazing fighter. So yeah, well, obviously he, he had a lot of. I think what he was probably trying to do was bring his IT now and his programming strength, hacking skills in, which they did sort of establish mm-hmm. at the start in the movie. But uh, I, there's just nothing there to care about him. I just I'd rather have Sam stayed in the grid and, and, and Kevin Flynn got out. Yeah, 
they should, yeah, and you know, had some open ended. An open ended yeah. ending would have been better than what they went yeah. for, which was just a bit slightly perplexing ending. Uh, so, yeah, we have a lot of problems with the film, yeah. <laughs> as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, for me, though, what's most frustrating is that, like I was saying, ninety percent of the film I really like, and there's sections in it that I love, um, and then that last sort of ten percent, just in the last few minutes of the film. Um, all the problems I have with the film pretty much are in that section. Yeah. And it's it's all down to the script, yeah. really, I suppose. But what's so frustrating is it's not something like Gamer, where it's just rubbish and it was always going to be rubbish. With this, there's a couple of small tweaks they could have made that would have transformed it, this possibly into one of my films yeah, of the year. It, it wouldn't have taken much. Um, I, I've been thinking about this. What I would have done to make the film better, I would have got rid of a lot of the faff in the middle with it, or going to philosophical design like um, I would have had Kevin Flynn as a as a prisoner. I think mean, would have worked better. He could have been rescued. Um, Tron would have turned from being the uh, um, from being Clue's uh, stooge to actually being the hero. Saved the day. They all got out, and it would have been it would have been much more uplifting. Yeah. Because Tron, the original film, is a really happy, uplifting kind of film. Yeah, and um, I think if this film had gone for that kind of tone, it probably would have done better at the box office because yeah. people don't really want a kind of gloomy. Yeah, you can have elements not around of, Christmas sort yeah, of time. You can have elements of darkness, but you have yeah. to have that payoff and in, in, in lightening aspects at the yeah. end. Um, I mean, personally, I'd have loved to have seen. Like say Flynn imprisoned by Clue, yeah, and then Tron maybe leading some sort of underground movement. But until Sam gets there, he doesn't have the power to do yep. stuff. I think you know we can hypothesise yep. about different plots until like the cows come home or whatever. But um, it reminds me a little bit of the Matrix sequels, mm-hmm. whereby all the fan theories about what was happening, especially after the second well, one, were better. Yeah, were more interesting than what actually yeah. did happen in the story. And while I think Tron Legacy is a lot more successful than those films for me anyway um it still has this problem in that it doesn't take very much to think of a better ending yep. than what they actually have which is such a shame yeah indeed so uh loyal listeners if you manage to stick this far through our ramblings if you do have a better ending for tron then why not send <laughs> yes. it in to us at simon and and we will reveal your i could have done a better job than adam horowitz um who was one of the writers of lost and a lot of uh, there's a lot of similarities between the way the plot and Tron seems to lose itself in the middle and then tries to come to an unsatisfactory ending. Yeah, at the end. building up stuff and yeah. never quite and finishing never, off. Yeah, so um, yeah, why not uh, let us know? Yeah. Anyway, I, I think that's probably quite a long one. I've unfortunately um, got the uh, got our recording clock on a different um, thing. It's not showing us the time; it's showing us yeah. Apparently, we've been different. going for thirteen hundred <laughs> minutes years. or something. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, well. We always say this, but we obviously won't. We'll try and be a bit more uh, regular this year with some of the films coming out and doing some reviews and stuff. Um, but that probably means we'll do another one in about four or five weeks' time. Yes. So we shall see you then. In the meantime, yeah, let us know what you thought of Tron and your own endings, and let us know if you want us to take a look at anything specific. and all Movie-wise. Of, yeah, yeah, not just anything. Yeah. We, we can't just review like anything you tell us about. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a bit crazy. Yeah. Going into like a grocer's and reviewing bananas or something. Yeah, or cabbage. Yeah. It'd be rubbish. Yeah, it'd be um, terrible. But spiffingreview.com has all the details, as usual. So, uh, so until next time, it's goodbye. Goodbye. End of life. If you'd like to contact us, you can email Simon and Wayne at spiffingreview.com, follow us on Twitter at spiffingreview, or visit our website, spiffingreview.com. Thanks for listening.